0: So I am so happy to have you on our podcast today. So I'm Dr. Kelly Martin Chu uh, from Pink Ten International, and we help women to discover hope, healing, and happiness. So I am so excited about my guest today. She's actually uh, a neighbor of mine, and I have been following her virtually through uh, the work that she does. She's uh, worked through work for Omega Institute. She's a, an herbal teaches herbal medicine at Naropa University and the School of Health Mastery in Iceland. She's also taught at Esalon and Kripalu, Kripalu, Sivananda Yoga Ashram, Arise, and Vision and Unity Festivals, and the Maya Clinic. Oh, my goodness. Amazing. Yes. She also is a Huffington Post writer, and you also blog for care, too. That's one thing I wasn't as familiar with.
1: I haven't submitted anything in a while. I need to re-find my password.
0: Alright, wonderful. She's also written a ton of books. In fact, I said, are there any particular books you want to tell me uh, about? But the one that I was really excited about interviewing her today about is The Sexual Herbal, Prescriptions for Enhancing Love and Passion. So without further ado, Brigitte Mars. My so, pleasure my honor and Kelly. I'm so glad we're neighbors. Yes, I know, I know. And um, so the day that I actually uh, ran into you more recently, I was just thinking about people who I would really love to interview. And literally, you walked in the door and we had introduced one, each other, or I had introduced myself years ago. And uh, so the universe decided that it was time for us to have this conversation for the Pink Tech community. Synchronicity
1: is usually a good sign. It is, mm-hmm.
0: it is. So, can you tell me a little bit, how did
1: you, because you've been in herbal medicine for how many years? You know, it's like 50 now.
0: That's what I thought it was. How is that possible?
1: possible? I know, well, I had this wonderful French Canadian grandmother. Okay. Lived in a little village uh, called Bay St. Paul, home of Cirque du Soleil, where they got Ooh, started. Okay. Yeah, they would practice in the church parking lot. But, um, you know, my grandmère, my grandmother, she was a wise woman. She knew plants to heal. Children, she had 11 children. She um, was also sort of uh, into things like card reading and tea leaf reading. But I think something that really impressed me was one time we were walking in the woods and we found a little wounded bird. And she picked it up and we brought it home and she put a salve on it and fed it some special seeds. And of course, I wanted to keep it, but she said, No, we have to let it go and find its family. And when we let it fly away, I said, I want to learn how to be able to do that. Oh, and, wow. you know, I grew up in the 50s. And back then, you know, there were a lot of shots. And I remember being held down and being given shots repeatedly. I remember being scared going uh, to the pediatrician because the question was always, Mom, am I going to have to give a shot? Yeah, and I even had a shot in my ear once. Did you really? Yeah, and I, like, so by the time I was 15, I went to an all girls boarding school and we had a very fine infirmary and a nurse. But I had sort of an alternative practice in my room. I had a drawer and it had, you know, rescue remedy and chamomile tea bags and, oh, wow. you know, all kinds of things to help, essential oils. Of course, the natural foods movement was still very young then, but I was growing sprouts on my windowsill, And so um, even then I was, you know, doing yoga and um, meditation and, um, decided I was going to be vegetarian even though I was the only one in the school. So uh, by the time I was 17 I was managing a natural food store in the Virgin Islands and starting to learn about the wild edible plants that were growing around us and um, I lived for two and a half years totally off of wild edible plants in the Ozarks oh, wow. in the 70s and I came to Boulder in 1977. Okay. and you know, growing up, I used to say, someday I'm going to work on Broadway, and I did Broadway in Arapaho and <laughs> Al- Alpha's Market, and now I work sometimes at Broadway and Alpine oh. at Barbica. so what be very it. specific but about what you wish for, but in a sense, you know, being an herbalist, I get to pick my own costumes, write mm-hmm. my own script, a lot of radio, yeah. and, and really my mission you know, why I think I always wanted to do theater. So I I really want to help connect people and help them to be better stewards of the planet and respect the earth. And, you know, even though we live in Boulder, Colorado, I walk around and I see those pesticides applied signs. Mm. It's like, please don't spray the dandelions. They're edible. They're the first food for the bees in the springtime. So I've been working with natural medicine. I, I went to, you know, massage school. I went to Miami Dade College. I apprenticed with a lot of different teachers. Way back then, there weren't like herb schools you could go to. Okay. So uh, a lot of my work was done self-taught, but also apprenticeships, and I still learn all the time. You know, you should see the stack of books by my bed. I do. So you're an academic, so you love knowledge, knowledge,
0: learning it, bringing it in, and then
1: sharing it. And you know, I think a lot of times we feel that we can't be responsible for our health. Mm That it's something so vast that we have to have lots of tests and you know people that are way well experienced and I don't claim to cure people I teach people how they can heal themselves mm-hmm. and it really is pretty simple and I use food and herbs and supplements and essential oils and lifestyle techniques and acupressure so I you know I always like to say that this is time tested medicine mm-hmm. when somebody tries to say no I really just practice traditional medicine I say you know I don't think uh, Prozac is that traditional. It's, right. you know, but I do think that valerian and echinacea are really the traditional medicines. So I'm just, you know, we it's we are blessed. We live in a time where we do have antibiotics if you really need them. Mm-hmm. But um, we should try natural medicine first because it can support your health and build your health and you really need to take charge rather than expecting somebody else to love you more and care more.
0: Absolutely, and I think that in the the age that we live in, people are taking more personal responsibility because we have the internet where we can learn more things and I'm I'm seeing uh, the millennials and, you know, people are not relying as much on their doctors. I think I'm starting to see a shift and of course, we're very lucky we live here in Boulder, right? So we have so many, uh, resources and practitioners and so many um, alternatives to really, uh, really a healthy lifestyle, and knowing that that's where it starts. So I very much enjoyed even uh, watching that beginning to, sh- to change. And even my parents, you know, my parents cleanse on a regular basis. And uh, that all started when my grandmother was diagnosed with cancer. And so we really, I mean, I grew up with my mother having a garden and uh, she was a nurse, so she came from that, uh, from that background, but uh, she began to question, and, and so I, I, I grew up with a lot of strep throat when I was young, and so it was antibiotics, and I got my tonsils removed, and then I've watched my mom go through this journey of uh, not just jumping to go to the doctor. In fact, my parents are very healthy and we're very fortunate, but I attribute that to their healthy lifestyle. I mean, they they do do cleansing and they eat from the garden and uh, I'm always recommending supplements and of course my background is as a chiropractor. So um, I think taking that personal responsibility is so important. We can't rely on the experts all the time to give us all of our answers, I think turning inward. Um, and discovering, you know, who we are on this journey and and how can we really take charge. So I'm all about that and and the empowerment, the empowerment. So let's talk a little bit about the book that I'm so excited that you wrote, The Sexual Herbal. And what inspired that? Because as I said, when I first looked and saw all the books that you've written, this one really spoke to me and the community of women that I'm working with.
1: Well, I wrote the book because I um, I had been married for a number of years. And you know, if you really want to be good at something, you continue to put energy into it. Absolutely. And like if you wanna be a great herbalist or a chiropractor or a doctor or a lawyer, you're gonna take continuing education. And you know, I think that very often in relationships we think, Oh, I already know everything about that or I've got I've got the guy now, I can, you know, gain fifty pounds and cut all my you know, just wear ripped up T shirts around the house. But you know, I thought the idea of, like, what can you do to nurture relationship? Right. And, um, you know, I knew that menopause lay ahead. So the sexual herbal, it's not just only about sex, but it's about um, menstrual health and menopause health and prostate health. So it's also about holistic gynecology, what to mm-hmm. do for STDs. But also ideas like um, making love with a virgin or losing your virginity mm-hmm. and adding a sacredness to it. So... Um, I took a number of tantra workshops. I studied with Margot Anand and Charles and Caroline Muir when they were together, and uh, Light and Brian Miller. And I realized that a lot of people go into like learning about sexuality and tantra, but not everything's working. Mm. They maybe have trauma from. Right. Um, maybe they have a sexually transmitted condition maybe there 's problems with erectile function or vaginal dryness, and so I felt that you know these classes where you assume everybody comes in and they 're all emotionally stable and holistically well and all that it 's not like that right and you know for very often in this day and age, this might be a person 's second or third marriage maybe even mm-hmm. um, and maybe they've had multiple sexual partners and um, there's a lot of questions and issues about there and certainly as we get older um, so I wanted to write a book and I I, want, I was so happy because this is actually the second um, printing of this book it used to be um sex, love and health, but in this edition of the Sexual Herbal I got to add chapters like The Fine Art of Flirting and Finding a Man. Like this. what if that you don't have fun? What if you don't have somebody? And then, yeah. you know, surviving things like infidelity or dealing with anger or healing the spirit from a mm. broken heart. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it be through divorce or the death of a partner, like, you know, things happen in life. They do. And how can we deal with that? So um, I, I felt that there was a need for a book that covered all those other subjects, and what would you want to give, you know, your um, maybe child going off to college, so that mm. they really did have sexual education. Because I know when I was young, I asked my parents, like, "Well, how do you tell a boy baby from a girl baby?" And they said, "Well, the boys breathe heavier."
0: Oh, you're kidding! And you're I said so you just you didn't talk about
1: those. I kinds had of no things. knowledge of and I really <laughs> yeah. was told that babies were found under. A cabbage leaf. Were you really? I was. and You know, know, this is a little personal, but I remember asking my mom, what's a virgin? And she said, a virgin is a girl who's never been touched. Mm. And I actually got molested because I told a man I wasn't a virgin because I had held hands with a boy at a basketball game. So I assumed I was not a virgin because I held hands at a basketball game. Therefore, I had been touched.
0: Okay. Therefore,
1: so I see that misinformation can so be a lot of trouble. Yeah. You know, and um, yeah, and I think that there's this idea like, you know, don't talk about it or don't tell the kids, but yet children are born from sexuality mm. and they. And it's a beautiful thing. They right? do have curiosity, and, um, you know, maybe we need to change the way that we educate our kids yeah. and change the way that we educate them in school. Um, I don't know what it's currently like in school right now because my kids are um, older, but I know that it really didn't tell us everything we needed to know. Yeah, and I think there's a lot
0: of uh, fear that they, they lead with fear as, a, as opposed to really giving a foundational education and that our sexuality is something that's quite healthy. Right. And it's beautiful. And, um, and at the same time, there is, there can be a lot of trauma and how do you deal with that? And how do you talk about those things with our intimate partners or, you know, with our best friends? And these are the kinds of conversations that aren't happening. I mean, I think we live in a culture that is very sex driven, right? But it's the supermodels, right? It's the, it's the airbrushing and there's not real conversation about a real, what does healthy sexuality look like you know and so i do believe that it begins with with education but not leading with fear right Mm -hmm. and so these really um you know especially even at a young age i've got a, a daughter who just turned seven and so at, at, you know, when she became, you know, um, not she, they don't really ask so many questions. They do ask some questions, but we wanted to make sure that we referred to the anatomy of the body with real words like penis and vagina. I mean, those aren't bad words. We didn't want to come up with like, you know, um, silly words that we, we wanted to give her a language. And of course, she doesn't know about the birds and the bees yet because she doesn't need to, but even just giving the, the right uh, vocabulary about our anatomy you know and so I think that's so important um, is that educational foundation and to start young to start young and um, so so with that and and sexual healing let's talk a little bit about herbs and how we can bring herbs into um, our lives especially for people who are listening that maybe have never taken on herbs so it's like you know a lot of our community um, obviously uh, that's following pink tent has herpes, but other things, I mean, um, fibrocystic breast, you know, vaginitis, you know, menopause, there's so many different things, but let's start with some specific herbs that that you might share with our listeners of how they can incorporate herbs into
1: their lives. Well, I do see a lot of women in different stages of their life um, going to a doctor and then thinking, there's something messed up with my hormones, okay. so I need to do hormones, and it is normal for our hormones to change mm-hmm. in our life. Mm-hmm. So I see a lot of people, my hormones aren't what they used to. Well, they're not supposed to be. Right, right. You know, That's part of the natural, natural right. process. You're not 25 and your body's saying, make a baby, make a baby. You know, you're 45 and your baby's saying, mm, I'd be, you know, are you sure you want to make a baby? Um, and so, you know, I, I, I'm a practitioner of Asian medicine as well. And in Asian medicine we have to look at the health of our liver because Mm -hmm. the liver helps to break down hormones so rather than like add more hormones we should really think about how can our livers be functioning healthfully so that it does break down hormones and we also have to look at are we getting an overload of hormones from eating commercial animal foods the cows or chickens or um, you know, the, the milk animals are right. being fed hormones. Um, is our liver congested because we're eating a lot of fried foods and chips? Therefore the f- function of our liver is impaired in breaking mm-hmm. down hormones. But also in Asian medicine, the health of our kidneys Governs our teeth, our bones, the hair on our head, and libido. Okay. So we really want to bring it down to the level of, like, you know, nurturing. But we're all using herbs, anyways. I mean, you're, you're putting herbs in your spaghetti sauce, probably, or your, you know, um, soup. So uh, many of the culinary herbs are actually very medicinal. Actually, a lot of the culinary herbs were really in there years and years ago thousands of years ago before refrigeration as a way to preserving the food Mm. because all of those culinary herbs oregano thyme basil cinnamon they're high in essential oils that are antimicrobial okay so it actually makes food safer to eat if there's a lot of chili pepper or ginger or garlic or something in it um but you know take garlic for example Garlic is a wonderful herb. It improves circulation. Mm -hmm. It um, can lower cholesterol, can lower high blood pressure. It's antimicrobial. Um, So there's a lot of benefits in garlic. However, it's best raw. Okay. Because cooking garlic, garlic bread, is probably not going to be your best way of using it because a lot of the health benefits of garlic are inactivated by Mm -hmm. heating it. Um, But cinnamon is considered an aphrodisiac and i know when i went to this all girls boarding school i found a copy of the kama sutra and the perfume garden in the library and since i knew nothing about sex i decided i should read these books and they had a lot in them about herbs culinary herbs cinnamon and you know i remember my mom um saying to me that my dad and her only made love when they went on vacation and i said Hey, you only go on vacation like once a year. That's like, not a, up? that's not what's a lot up? of love making, is like, it? No, oh, I, man. but I had read these books and I came home from school and I said, "I'm going to make all the food while I'm here on vacation." So, I made everything with cinnamon, like rice pudding and cinnamon french toast and, you know, cinnamon shortbread, and I, you know, at the end of the week my mom winked at me and said, It's working. Oh my (laughs) gosh! um, So, you know, at a young age, I said, "Wow, these herbs are really working. I'm helping my parents to enjoy wedded bliss, so I don't have to worry about which one I'm going to have to go live with." Um, But you know, it was things like that that really inspired me. But when I think about herbs for the reproductive system, I mean, one of the early ones that I learned about was red raspberry leaf. Raspberry leaf is a wonderful tasting tea. It's not. It's tastes a lot like black tea. Okay. And it's high in calcium, magnesium, and iron. So it's great for pregnant women. It contains an alkaloid called Fragarine, which is said to make labor easier. But there are herbs for fertility, and there's herbs for helping get through menopause. There's herbs that can help with cramping, like cramp bark. And so people always wonder, well, how do I use the herbs? Because some don't taste so great in food, like cinnamon, but you can use many of them in tea, or tincture, or capsules, and you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You can visit your local natural food store and find that wow, there's a combination of herbs that are all put together to help you with painful periods or emotional upheaval, um, for example. So uh, another thing I wanted to do in writing The Sexual Herbal was have a Materia Medica, which is a list of all the plants that are often used in formulas for the reproductive system, okay. and explain what's their function. Right. Is it a kidney yang tonic? Is it nutritive? Is it anti-inflammatory? Is it something to improve circulation? And also cautions, because not every herb is suitable for everybody. There's herbs to avoid during pregnancy, right. herbs to avoid during nursing. For example.
0: Are, as you're saying that, are there any herbs uh, specifically that you like to use for a woman who has herpes, and she's pregnant, because I get that asked a lot. Are there any herbs that you feel would be safe to support the immune system during
1: that time? Well, one herb that I like a lot is um, stinging nettle, urtica okay. dioeca, which makes a good tasting tea. It's really high in minerals, so it supports the pregnant woman. Okay. It's actually high in lysine. Which can inhibit the replication of the herpes virus. Right. It tastes, I think it tastes good. I like to make it as an overnight tea to let it steep overnight. It's called an overnight infusion. Okay. So rather than just steeping it for five minutes with a tea bag, I like to make it in a ball jar. Okay. And put a generous amount of herbs in the glass jar, fill the top with hot water. The lid on and let it sit overnight, okay, and then it becomes a really dark emerald green. So I love that herb, and so that's a, a really good one. Okay. And um, you know, raspberry and nettle are two of my herbs that I really endorse during pregnancy. And you know, you may have your own opinion on this, but I think the, the really important thing is not to contract herpes during the pregnancy. Absolutely, absolutely. So there's a lot of women who have had herpes for a number of years and I think it's, you know, it almost seems like nature gives us some immunity so you don't have it during the birth, but when when someone first contracts herpes, that's when it's usually the most intense and fever and really infection and pain and all that. But it seems that the disease loses its virulence after a while so um, another reason to you know have a partner who's supportive and both being monogamous because you do not want to catch it for the first time during the pregnancy and you know it used to be said that oh if you have herpes when you're about to give birth then you're going to have to have a cesarean but there are more and more doctors and midwives who are willing to say you know i think we can cover the lesion absolutely it does not have to be a cesarean so i don't want listeners to think that your life is doomed because hey yeah. it's you and millions of other americans lots who are of in women. the same boat you know uh, yes
0: lots of men and women and uh for listeners who don't realize this we know that at least one in four women who are pregnant actually has general herpes and so it's quite common and if you already know that you have it um, your body has built up those antibodies, and so um, it's not as dangerous as the media, I think, often will, will make it will make it sound. And so, um, you know, during that time of pregnancy, if you are a woman that you already know that you have herpes, taking good
1: care of yourself, and there's so many things that that you can do. So, and certainly, I always like to start out with diet too, so diet, you can absolutely. eat foods high in lysine. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, my grandmother used to say, when you're pregnant, eat a lot of fish because it's great brain food. But now there's like uh, mercury and all these things to worry about. But fish, especially like flounder and halibut are really hot. Salmon are high in lysine. Mm -hmm. Um, But also there's lysine in quinoa. Right. So that, that's a great vegan alternative. Absolutely. Um, dairy products like yogurt and cottage cheese have lysine. Nutritional yeast, which has a nice cheesy flavor. I love you, uh, nutritional yeast. In fact, we put it on um, popcorn. Popcorn soup, you know, salad. It's mm-hmm. really quite good. And it is. It can make your urine look sort of yellowish for a, a day or two afterwards. but you know that's not a problem right and And isn't it
0: is it nutritional yeast high in is it
1: b vitamins b vitamins Mm -hmm. b12 a zinc protein iron so that's a great supplement so i would say you know start with food and then we want to minimize the foods that are high in arginine which encourages the replication of the virus so that could be chocolate and coffee and nuts but we also want to look at other ways that we stress ourselves out so even something like you know, wearing tight jeans where you're getting a constant chafing in the genital region might cause an outbreak because that's a stress. So maybe this is a time to, and I always like to wear loose clothing. I think when people jam themselves into tight clothes, it impairs your ability to breathe deeply and fully. Right. And, um, you know, maybe, um, you know, if you do have herpes, There's different baths you can do, like putting... Tell us about, yeah, I know some of you have some baths. Baths baths can give you so much comfort. And of course, if you're pregnant, you don't want to do really hot baths, but Mm -hmm. you could put a cup of baking soda in the bath, or a cup of apple cider vinegar in the bath. So those are a few helpful things to do. Um, Seven drops of tea tree oil. Tea tree oil is really antiviral, and um, that would be another good thing. Um, I don't suggest douching during pregnancy, right. but even just to, you know, speed up the process so, so if you know that you're going to get a herpes outbreak. Um, but I'd have to say that my favorite thing after, um, well, there's two things, remedies, that I've learned about. One is chaparral. Okay. And chaparral, Laria divarcata is an herb that's native to the Southwest, and it seems to make the virus really lose its intensity i'm not saying it's a cure and there's also some controversy around chaparral so it's not an herb for people with liver disease Um, there was actually some concern that maybe it could uh, cause liver disease but it wasn't an actual study it was more like a hearsay of you know people who maybe already had liver disease uh it was exacerbated uh-huh. but I actually went to a meeting with the FDA in LA when they were concerned about the dreaded chaparral and they projected a picture on the on the wall uh-huh. and it wasn't even chaparral oh you're kidding me and all the herbalists were saying oh. uh, that's not chaparral because chaparral is sort of a loose term for a bioregion okay. like a desert bioregion okay. so it was not Laria divarcata but the herbalist wanted to show, we can comply if there's ever a concern about a plant, but it is an herb that has long been used by the Native American culture okay. um, as an anti-cancer herb. Really? It okay. contains something called norahydrogoric acetic acid, big long word, NDGA, okay. um, and it, a teaspoon of chaparral tincture taken for 21 days in a row, and it tastes terrible, okay. can really make the virus kind of lose its intensity. Now, can
0: you, um, is that something you can readily buy at like a Whole Foods or an alfalfa's
1: or where Where would one mm-hmm. find chaparral? You can buy it, but because it had this controversy around mm-hmm. it, which I also suspect had something to do with the fact that people are using it to shrink tumors and maybe ah, use it for cancer therapy. Right. but. Um, I mean, it grows all around Arizona, for example, so you can learn to make it yourself. I tinctured in vodka. Um, You can buy it, but you may have to seek on the internet, it's not one of the number one herbs. But then another thing I found is this red marine algae. And I think you pronounce it um, Denelli uh, ACA, I'm, I'm well, not positive. I'm actually not sure how you pronounce okay. it, I
0: always know of it as red marine algae. Red marine algae. So the
1: community done
0: uh, that uh, herpes is really, that works very well for someone who's having
1: frequent outbreaks. And you know, I've, I've known a lot of people, I work part time in a holistic pharmacy, and um, I've known a lot of people who were taking different drugs, Aciclovor and Zovirax Mm -hmm. and things like that and switched to using red marine algae at the first sign of an outbreak. Taking a lot, like five capsules maybe three times a day and then using a, a cream with red marine algae. And I don't work for any particular company. What matters to me is what... Customers and clients and people that I've worked with say this really helped right so I love that and if that can help That's great, and it seems to be um, an algae which is a very primitive form of plant culture, and Mm -hmm. You know unfortunately if we always take Really strong drugs then that can be compromising to our liver and our kidneys So anything we can do with you know food and herbs is really going to be first on the list and I always say lifestyle and emotional things and then food and then herbs and then there's supplements you know like beta carotene and zinc which speeds up healing and so we're so blessed there's so many plants on our planet that we can use for our healing and it's really simple these are things that people knew about thousands of years ago and they still work and we're really blessed now because now we have the ability to look at Translations from other cultures, mm-hmm. from uh, other languages, and really kind of put it all together. Absolutely. So it's not just American herbalism, but you know Chinese and Ayurvedic and South American and Tibetan and African, and so we have a plethora of information available to us. We do, we do. What about um, for an actual outbreak? So we mentioned red
0: marine algae, but any kind of cells or like just one thing, uh, kind of a home remedy that someone might be able to use. Uh, Applying it to a uh, you know a region
1: of, of sores. Well, there's a number of things. Uh, Saint John's Wort oil. I actually brought a picture of Saint John's Wort, Hypericum perforatum. Mm-hmm. It's a plant. You know, it's actually considered a noxious weed in Colorado. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, because it might take over.
0: Like the dandelions. Yes, or all yes, the people
1: that took over this country. Mm-hmm. But um, St. John's Wort's antiviral. I know it's also used as a remedy for mild to moderate depression. Yes, it is. It's an interesting plant. If you look closely at the leaf structure, it has little tiny uh, holes or oil glands. So oh. the Latin name Hypericum perforatum means perforated. Okay. And it actually can increase photosensitivity. So if you're taking St. John's wort, Internally, you or even using it topically on New your whole body. Yes, right? because it could make you more likely to get sunburned. But that's also why it works for depression, because it enhances light receptivity. Ah, so,
0: I never put those two things together. I have recommended St. John's work before. I've always made. Uh, the, uh, the claim that if you are taking it and you're out in the sun, be careful, but i never put those two together.
1: That's so cool. So that's one thing. And then, uh-huh. you know, there's a number of great products at health food stores, um, like creams that have lysine in them, right. licorice, which is anti-inflammatory, and one of the most popular herbs is lemon balm, melissa uh-huh. officinalis, it smells like lemon. This is one of my favorites. It's so easy to grow Mm. if you're a beginning gardener. You want to grow lemon balm. It's easy for the bees to obtain nectar from. And so lemon balm also goes by the name Melissa. And in Europe, um, Melissa's been found to be very antiviral against the herpes virus. So you can go to the health food store and you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You can find a cream that has echinacea in it, which is... You know, also going to stimulate white it's, blood cell activity. Isn't that a beautiful plant? Also known as purple cone Amazing herb. And it, what it does is it stimulates your own immune system. It mm-hmm. stimulates uh, your own white blood cell production because it has large polysaccharide molecules that are sh- like sugar molecules. So it tricks the body into producing more white blood cells. So, you know, this is a great plant. And uh, you know lemon balm, so you can apply lemon balm essential oil or Melissa oil. Uh, You can also apply propolis, which is what the bees use to sterilize their hive and Mm -hmm. prevent infection Mm -hmm. from entering the hive. Uh, You can apply spirits of camphor, um, the red marine algae, the lysine cream. So. You know, those are a number of things, there's you know, plenty of more. Spirits of camphor can sting a little bit, okay. um, but that's another thing. And I also find that the baths help to speed up the healing process. So if you were to take a bath, um, and let's say you're going to use lemon balm, how would somebody, how would somebody use lemon balm? for a bath? Well, maybe you're going to take a bath with a cup of apple cider vinegar and maybe the antiviral tea tree oil. You could put seven drops drops. of tea tree oil in the bath and then when you get out of the bath, you can apply the lemon balm oil, essential oil. And you can apply it directly to a small area. But I also want to say for people that do um, suffer from herpes, um, you might want to sleep in pajamas that night. Um, Because during the night, inadvertently, we often like touch ourselves and then it could be very dangerous to like put your contact lenses in or, you know, rub your eyes because people have even gotten herpes of the eyes. Mm -hmm. That's very dangerous. So, you know, wash, wear pajamas and then wash your hands first thing in the morning. And, you know, rather than freaking out about it, like this is... A disorder of our time yes. um, I think it really kind of put a halt to the sexual revolution
0: it did I it, think it did absolutely it, it made
1: us think about like wow this is really risky behavior and yes. if I have unprotected sex I'm not only risking pregnancy but I could also get an STD that may you know, make it something that I have to tell future partners, and it'd be mm-hmm. nice not to have that. One of um, my friends, the late great midwife Janine Parvati Baker, called STDs. She says it stands for savor the disease because it makes us respect our sexuality and be more discerning about mm, it. What a what a yeah, what a beautiful thing. Yeah. So rather than hating it, like you know, it's an opportunity for um, really uh, evaluating it. And you know sometimes you know, people feel like, "Oh I have this thing, and it makes me feel you know, not my best or I feel unclean." And there's a Bach flower remedy, which is one of the 38 Bach flower remedies uh, designed by the uh, bacteriologist at uh, uh, Ellen Bach. Um, and that's crab apple. apple yeah. is good for feeling unclean or not uh, like we're in content with ourselves so that might be a way to shift that consciousness
0: so I know there'll be listeners that don't they've never heard of a bach remedy and you say flower essence and they're thinking what in the world is that yeah can you explain
1: explain that a little bit well um, bach flower remedies you can again buy them at the health food store and they're made by soaking flowers in spring water and then collecting the water they're energetic medicine Mm. and they don't make any sense at all why they work but I do know that they really work, and one of the most popular ones is Rescue Remedy. I love Rescue Remedy—a miracle in a bottle. It if you're freaking really out, you're having a fight. I was so mad at my kids; they went and got tattooed without, without. permission—right, way under age. Okay, 12 years old, 16 oh, years old. Oh! And then I came up. What you got tattooed? You skipped school, you went together but mom, we took rescue remedy. Oh like, you're I'm kidding me so supposed you're to be happy. Right, exactly. Yeah, oh I'm <laughs> so happy. Yes. What do you do when you're pregnant and that like tattoo gets all stretched out of shape? But you know it but hasn't they hurt them. Of that. They but they beauty. use the rescue
0: remedy. Yes, oh, yeah. there you go. An arnica.
1: An arnica, uh, which, which reduces my, uh inflammation and my favorite things. Uh, so anyways, um, so those are a few things to do and i You know, I do think that it's great there's things out there that can really bolster our immune system, but we also want to think about you know are we getting enough sleep mm-hmm. because you know stress can come in many forms lack of sleep, arguing, um, worry, all the things that people might go through in life you know death, divorce of parents that maybe are leaving the planet so When we're in a time of stress, we need to take better care of ourselves. I think there's this attitude like, well, I'm really stressed, so I need to drink more or live off coffee and sugar donuts. It's like, uh -uh. uh-uh. You you (laughs) want to come through the stressful period, you know, better than ever. I agree. And so this is a time like, no, I need to schedule massages. I think I would be a crazy woman if I did not soak in the bathtub. Now I did live in a teepee for two and a half years and take cold showers, like pouring a bucket you of really? cold water over my uh, head and a little that doctor brown's peppermint. peppermint soap. So I marvel that hot water comes out of the sink and it, it may not last forever, and I'll go back to the cold showers. But um, I do think that that can be a great stress-relieving thing, and if you have herpes, it can really give comfort and help to calm the itching. So you want to apply your topical applications after the bath and right before bed. And don't just do it once a day. Do it like, you know, 5-6 times a day. Like really be on it. And you know, another thing for genital herpes is I am big on Kegel exercises. And Kegel exercises they've been done in yoga for many years under different names like mulabandha and root locks, but of course there was this Dr. Kegel, it got named after him. So the exercise is very simple. If you were urinating and you had to stop, there's certain muscles you would tighten that would uh, strengthen the pubococcygeus muscle, but what you're doing is you're building tone, yes. increasing circulation, and moving toxins. And so it's not just for pregnant women to do after childbirth to get their uteruses to shrink. If men and women did kegels, it would really encourage circulation and healthy Flow of life force or chi or energy or prana or whatever you want to call it to the genital area. And another reason to do your Kegels is I've heard that adult diapers now outsell baby diapers. Are you
0: kidding me? No, because oh, you know a lot of
1: adults they're in diapers for like you know maybe a decade. Yeah, yeah. And also I've been told that if you do your Kegel exercises, you're going to experience uh, sex. Uh, yes. It's going to be so much better, uh, uh, right? More what a our reason. And right? then you'll be able to make love longer and good. satisfy your partner. Yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. So that's good. We want to do that. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. And so what about um, even just that connection to our sexuality? I think Kegel exercises, one thing that they do is, I have discovered and this is you know personally too being diagnosed in my early 20s There could be a part of you that just wants to disown that sexuality like you don't even want to connect to the generals because it can bring up fear and shame and and I think Kegel exercises and breath and you know Bringing breath to those lower chakras is so important to reconnect us to our sexuality So that we can begin to love ourselves again so that once we can begin to really connect to our own sexuality and our own self-love that then we can think about being in in partnership. So let's talk a little bit about sexuality, self-love, and that journey, especially for someone who's been diagnosed and they're feeling shameful and they're feeling dirty and, and those kinds of things.
1: So I think it's really important to have ways that you honor yourself. And you know, very often women, you know, we take care of our kids, we take care of our husbands, we take care of our You know, the people that employ us. And we spend our lifetime, like, taking care of everybody else. And yet, we need to take care of ourselves, too. And I find that it might take getting up earlier in the morning to claim some time for ourselves. And I'm a big believer in getting ready for the next day, the night before. You're going to sleep better. But that stress of, like, hitting the floor, running because... Empty the dishwasher and make the bed and fold the laundry and, you know, oh, go put gas in the car, and all the things that we need to do. So anything you can do the night before is going to help you to have a little more serenity. And So I wake up early in the morning and really I don't eat anything until I've done yoga, stood on my head, jumped on the trampoline, um, yeah. I love that. Do you have one of those little trampolines? A little trampoline, a little rebounder. So
0: great for lymphatic flow, yes. I love that. getting that energy going first thing in the morning. I you know uh, Tony Robbins is a big uh, proponent of that, and he does uh, he does rebounding, you know, to really get get going. Right. It's, yeah, it's
1: wonderful, and it moves circulation it and lymphatic flow in your body, and. Um, you know, I think very often we have a culture of people that go for addictive substances yes. because we think, I was really good today, therefore I deserve a you know, soda or an ice cream parfait or a, a bag of chips or something mm-hmm. like that. So I encourage people to make a list of all the healthy ways that you can reward yourself so it might be like I'm going to read a novel, or I'm going to call my sister long distance, or I'm going to take an aromatherapy bath, or I'm going to take a walk in the garden, or I'm going to watch a movie, or my partner and I are going to trade foot massages or hand oh, massages. Fantastic. So you know, what are other healthy ways? Maybe scheduling a massage for yourself, or. Um, You know, even cleaning can be like taking time out for yourself. So I'm big on making time for yourself, and you really need to do it. And what you got away with in your 20s and 30s, you may not get away with in your 40s. So you really end up having to put more time and more loving into yourself. So you know, now that the kids are grown, um, I really am taking time every day, and I think it's going to help me to, you know, grow old more gracefully. And you know, I feel great, I feel like I'm healthier now than I ever was. Yeah.
0: So um, another thing that in reading your book and, and I really enjoyed is, is you talk about uh, the grieving process and letting anger out and not stuffing it, right, as I think as a culture, we numb it, we stuff it, right, we don't, we're not, we don't allow ourselves to be really with it, and so can you speak to that in terms of how that relates to our sexuality and, and how
1: we feel about ourselves and healing? Well, you know, I do think that very often we armor ourselves, maybe by gaining lots and lots of weight or buying a lot of material possessions to protect ourselves from the vulnerability that we feel when we do get sexual, you know, so like, oh, if I, you know, it's like, well, now I don't have to get naked, now I don't have to risk relationship, but you know, grief is part of life, a broke, it said, like a broken heart is an open heart. And uh, so, you know, I think that there's things we can do to help us get through grief. And again, uh, I think very often when we are really grieved, we maybe choose detrimental things to do to ourselves. Like, I'm just going to drink coffee or I'm going to, you know, eat lots of ice cream or something like that. So it's kind of like... No, I really need to do yoga every day. I really need to take a walk. I really need to get serious about meditation. Um, but there's a few remedies for grief, and one of them is homeopathic ignatia. Not to, not to okay. be confused with echinacea, but I G N A T I A. And um, I'm not going to say it changes everything, but it helps us to cope during times of grief helps to cope and integrate and kind of calm the system. So a, f- a friend of mine, her husband died um, last week. So I didn't, you know, I showed up at the house and there's like all these bouquets of flowers. And they're all going to be dead in a week. Sure. But I gave her a bottle of homeopathic Ignatia, which you can buy at the health food store okay. the natural pharmacy. I also, um, there's another flower essence called Bleeding Heart. And again, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Go to the health food store and. Or the herb shop and say, "Do you have bleeding heart flower essence?" It's interesting because it looks like a bleeding heart, and then. Um, you mean the actual essence? Is it from is it from, from flower? The flower then? And yeah, the,
0: I think I've seen that. It's a beautiful flower, I and think then I've um, seen that.
1: Yeah. I, I also often give a little bottle of lavender oil, mm. and okay. and so what could you do with lavender? Well, you could open up the bottle of lavender oil and smell it mm. when you're like, "I'm freaking out," yeah. I'm I'm. Uh, one moment away from crying, but yet I have to go to work or I have to go, you know, help my other kids or whatever it is. So you take 10 deep inhalations of essential oil and it goes right to your brain because our nasal cavities are in close proximity to our brain. So it can really affect our states of consciousness. And then you could add lavender oil to the bath. So another remedy for grief that I like a lot is to soak in the bathtub, add your seven drops of lavender oil. And then when you're bathing, stay in the tub and let the water out and visualize all your stress and grief and pain going down the drain and being comforted by the earth. And, you know, and a lot of times I actually collect the bath water and give it to the plants on the balcony because maybe I've only added a few drops of lavender to the bath, Mm -hmm. whether I'm grieved or not. Mm -hmm. Um, But um, I I really think we need to respect water. But, so I want to say one other thing about grief. Having gone through extreme grief in my life, um, my massage therapist suggested make a list of a hundred reasons why this is a good thing. And you think like, well, what? What's good about this? What's good about divorce? What's good about death? Uh-huh. You know, and then you what's start- good about herpes? Yeah. What's- <laughs> <laughs> so you start making a list, and you might say, well, it's going to make me weed out um, partners that are. Have- Lack of integrity, right? Or they just want a one-night stand, or something like that. Or it's gonna, it's gonna make me be more selective. It's going to make me have to take better care of my health. It's going to get me to eat better. It's going to get me to learn more about herbs and homeopathy and essential oils that can support my health. It's going to get me, uh, you know, you start making a list, right? Right. And it might take a while before so you get say, to a hundred. A
0: hundred is a long list. And, and I know for some women in this community, it's hard to come up with one thing when they're first diagnosed, right? Yeah. And so to, to build upon that, because for me, I can, I can tell you that it has been a gift for me. I mm-hmm. mean, I get to really, you know, connect with other women in a way that I wouldn't under, necessarily understand. It's made me more compassionate um, and, and, so, and, and, and grateful. And grateful for the health that I do have, right? And so, and we are always whole. I always like to remind people that we're not broken, right? And things happen to us. And it's part of the human experience. Mm -hmm. If it were all rainbows and and fairies every day, even that wouldn't, it would would kind of numb out to that. Like we wouldn't be able to appreciate. So for me, the human experience does have grief and it does have sadness. And these are all part of, you know, this gift we've been given called life. And so, when we're in those trenches, obviously we want to begin, we we immediately want to feel better, right? And I tell people, let's be with what is right here, right now, and hug it, bring it closer, feel it. Don't stuff it, feel it. Take that warm bath, and then allow it to flow through you. Because if you give it enough attention, it won't control you, it won't take your every bit of your attention, like to really be with it and and make that sacred because wherever we have a dip, there's, we're going to eventually we will, we all, we come out of it and then there's grace and there's beauty and you know, there are rainbows and, and, and fairy tales and all of that. And so I think that's all part of the journey.
1: The rainbows will rise again. Yes. But it's also possible that, um, you know, having herpes, which is not a life threatening condition, right? It may get you on a healthy path so that you avoid, worse diseases later on because you're saying no I'm gonna eat a salad every day and be more alkaline and I'm gonna really eat those high beta carotene skin strengthening vegetables like sweet potatoes and carrots and uh, rutabagas and you know it's like I'm gonna learn about this I'm gonna figure this out yeah and you know I think that you know good sign is not to have very frequent outbreaks if you're Mm -hmm. having a lot of frequent outbreaks you know, maybe more than four a year, maybe it's time to say, how can I improve my immune health? Absolutely, how can we rebuild? Mm-hmm. Enough right? sleep, vegetables, being more alkaline, are you eating all the colors of the rainbow? Um, you know, so things like that yeah. are really important.
0: Yeah, this truly, really, it can it can be a gift. It really can be a gift. Well, I am so glad to have been able to spend this time with you in the privacy of my own home. I mean, uh, what a gift my for honor. neighbors. And, And, um, you know, there's so much that I know that you can teach and and share with uh, whoever's listening. And BrigitteMars.com, this is her website, we'll put it, we'll get a little tile, uh, BrigitteMars.com. And is there anything that you would like to share? Um, Oh, obviously, where can they get the book, Uh,
1: your book, The Sexual Herbal? You can buy it on my website. Okay. And, you know, if you only support those big internet companies, that's going to be all that's left. So support your local bookstores, your local natural food stores. That's important, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. And Brigitte uh, does really cool things from, you know, teaching about how to look at uh, herbs that are all around us with you know things like dandelions eat that the are weeds. weeds eat the weeds so I can eat weeds eat every day right I saw an interview where uh, I think it was called the urban what was it called urban, urban First forage or something urban, urban forage like how can you actually begin to bring plants into into your into your home and eat healthier and she's just she's a wealth of knowledge so BrigitteMars.com and uh, please
1: don't spray the dandelions they are one of the most nutritious vegetables they're one of the first foods for bees in the springtime and we've been bamboozled to think that that's something we need to kill herbicides are dangerous dandelions are not got that
0: all right so thank you so much thank you my and, pleasure uh, and honor
1: uh, alice thank yes. you
0: so such a such a um beautiful thing for us to be able to have this conversation today So, uh, and will you be able then to share this interview also on your website? Yes, I will, indeed. Yay, wonderful. Social media mistress I am. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so to follow follower anymore, you can go to uh, PinkTent.com. Dr. Kelly here and
1: um, Brigitte Mars. So thank you. Thank you.